0: Welcome to the One America Podcast. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and welcome to the show. We're going to wrap up Black History Month today and lean into Women's History Month. And I have a great guest with me today, actually two guests. I'll bring the latter guest on in a few moments. But I want to talk a bit today about the Black Church. If you've been paying attention, Professor Henry Louis Gates has had an amazing series to date on the black church, the history of the black church, how it came about, why it is so powerful, even into this day. And I thought instead of focusing on those who examine the church, I thought I'd bring on someone who lives the black church every day as a senior pastor, as a servant in her community, as a leader in her community. And as one of the few black female pastors Senior pastors in the country of such stature as my next guest, and my guest is Dr. Renee Denise Fowler. She is the senior pastor at Destiny Point Church in Texas. She is a certified Dale Carnegie and John Maxwell coach, which means she's got street cred. She's got real credentials here, and I'm looking forward to to getting into some of that. She's also a multi-book published author. I could go on and on and on about the amazing work that she does. She's also CEO of Destiny Empowerment Enterprises. Uh, Sora, Renee, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sophia. Uh, You saw I called her Sora, right? That means she is a member of the awesome, amazing Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And, uh, you know, I know that you all probably can't stand the AKs on your timeline right now. We've been out of control since Sora Kamala became vice president. Is that right, Pastor? Well, we
1: have, but we've also been encouraging all
0: of the Divine Nine
1: to make a step out and a step up and use their voices. So, hey, we're all in this really together, but we Amen. are making Amen. noise. Such,
0: such such a good answer from a pastor, a unity, wonderful answer. I, I, I'd expect nothing less. Let's... Let's get into this. So look, uh, Sorin, Renee, we, we go back. You're one of my favorite people. You do amazing work, but you're also very unique. You're very unique in that you are a woman in the black church in a very senior role. Uh, you know, that is not as common as people might think. Uh, Most African-American women in the black church are first ladies, or they might be ministry leaders, or they might be choir leaders, but. There has really been an explosion, I would say, over the last decade of Black female leaders in the pulpit. Talk to me a little bit about that history, and you are part of that history. What's that like? Well, 34 years
1: ago, when I stepped into this role, I really did not realize how challenging it really would become. And thank you for acknowledging me as one of those trailblazers. There were so many that came before me that really were impactful. And I don't believe that many of them get a lot of credit, but it was very tough. It was very difficult. We were not accepted. Um, We were outcasts. And I like to say we were often locked out the room. And you're right. It's only been, honestly, within the last 10 to 15 years where more women have actually been embraced in um, the women's movement with ministry. It's been seen as a predominantly male profession and For many years, even black men weren't allowed, you know, we could go back to our history and look into when black men were brought into uh, being men of the cloth. But for women, it was a very slow process. And we still even today, in my opinion, do get a lot of kickback. And so we do have to, just as those women in corporate America or any other environment, have to really make certain that we are at the top of our game and that we still are coming with double duty uh, just so that we can you know, make certain that our colleagues understand that we are uh, able and credentialed and that we also are coming with the same mission that they have in their charge.
0: Uh, Pastor Renee, talk a little bit about, walk us through the life of a First Lady, which is where you started, and the the switch, if you will, or the growth uh, towards leading the congregation and and, and what's that journey like, the difference between being the spouse of someone in ministry and the mother of the church, if you will, and the first lady of the church versus now being the CEO and the senior pastor of the church as a woman?
1: Well, I had about two to three years of just first lady experience before I actually became a co-pastor in the church, which again was unheard of when I was actually licensed and ordained. But as a first lady, um, it was very difficult. It was very hard in sharing um, my spouse and my family with um, others. It um, The expectation was that I would be there to do what was required. When I really felt at that time, my responsibility was just simply to be his support i did not feel as though i necessarily was called to do all the things that people expected me and my family to do in the church i actually was a corporate woman so i was in corporate america coming into the church and then being treated as so i did not have the ability to be able to function uh and and i had to live up to the expectation of what people thought i should do for example they thought i should sing they thought I should leave worship. I think one of the biggest things that caused me very early on as a First Lady to really deal with depression was not being able to fulfill the expectations of people because I actually had someone say to me, well, why did marry you you don't sing you don't play the piano uh so wow. why did he marry you and i'm thinking to myself i'm a pretty powerful woman you know i've got corporate experience you know i'm a great speaker wow. a great organizer and a great servant i've got a gift of hospitality and so that was very damaging to me but i think if we look at it now You have so many that are coming into ministry and they're pushed into being a co-pastor and i don't agree with that philosophy either i think you have to know that you are called into ministry
0: well you know you know that i did an award-winning article in essence magazine back in 2013 on the first ladies of the church and it was called first wives club and you know i talked to uh, people like Reva Thames and Taffy Dollar and Sarita Jakes and, you know, all the big church first ladies, particularly in the black church. And it was fascinating listening to their stories, which all they're all people, you know, well, mm-hmm. they're cohorts of yours. Um, and you of course had a very different experience and you uh you know anybody that's going to look up your name when we do this podcast they're gonna find out your backstory and i think it's such a powerful story and you went through something that probably would have broken most women and most people um and I'm gonna let you talk about it because I think it's so important to the first ladies who'll be listening, or to women entering ministry, or to women who find yourselves being treated in the manner you were being treated. People kind of dumbing you down or telling you what box you ought to fit in and who you ought to be. And we know that first ladies now are doctors, they're lawyers, they have, they run businesses, they're, they, they're, they're able to do things that when you started and Lady Jake started and. And and, and um, people like uh, Lady Trina Jenkins and others, when they started, that just was unheard of, you know, thirty years ago, like you said. And so, I want you to talk a little bit about your experience, and I'm gonna I'm gonna listen. But I'd like you to just kind of introduce everybody a little bit to, uh, you know, what your experience was, and and how you've had to grow into ministry and running your own church, and some of the takeaways of for women who are in the church and who are first ladies, uh, to really practice self-care and self-love, you know, based on what you experienced, Pastor Renee.
1: Well, as I transitioned, uh, from being solely a first lady into being a co-pastor, my responsibilities in that first lady's role did not change much, I just added Mm -hmm. the responsibility now of being one who was a teacher of the gospel, if you will. And so it actually caused me to have to step into really double duty. That's why I always tell ladies that are married to men in ministry, if it is your calling to serve your family, be comfortable in serving your family. It is not required that you to be called to the ministry. I think that's the first thing we should take note of. So for me, as I transitioned into intricately being more involved in ministry, becoming a co-pastor, um, what I found was is that as partners, we really were pretty effective in growing and progressing the ministry forward. As I left my corporate job and came alongside, we were able to really step out into the community, transform the community, be very cutting edge, be very intentional about what our purpose was to empower lives, transform lives in a way that they could live out in abundance the lives that God intended for us to live. So we were very successful, but I found myself years later. In fact, uh, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, if you will, uh, having gone through uh, an experience that most people could not um imagine being that we were at the top of our game we were on the mountain and then we fell into a deep dark valley through the choices that my now ex-husband made and again I know people I want them to google me I want them to see my backstory but what I want them more to to understand is that after that experience, I basically had to start all over again because of the choices of someone else. My life was affected. My children's life was affected. My congregation's life was affected. The city, the state and the nation and ultimately we had an international platform was affected by that change. I made a decision that I was going to rise up when I looked around at the people that I loved and cared about and said, I need to continue in this work even though he has now made choices that have separated him from what it is that God has called us to do. I'm still called to do what I'm called to do. And that's why I made the choice to step into the senior pastorate without even really thinking about it. There was a lot of accountability there. But when you go through a very public scandal, one thing I find and I found is that so many people looked at me as being damaged goods. And so they didn't want to be associated with me. So those people that are still connected with me now, the people that are. Me, even today, are people that have been with me through the long haul, or people that made a decision that if she was broken and she got through it, then that's the kind of person I want to connect with. It makes it doubly hard as a female because I've had men say to me, I don't know men that could go through what you went through, but you kept on going. And the difference is, I made a choice to use this ministry tool to let people really be able to see the power of God at work. That's what I thought we should be living epistles. So as a senior pastor, as a woman, um, I've earned a seat at the table now because I've been steadfast, unmovable, I've been consistent, I've been constant, and I've never stopped doing the work of the Lord. So when you did that article in 2015, it was powerful. And you're right, those are my colleagues, and I knew most of them. But at the same time, I was building ministry as a senior pastor. Um, And so then I dealt with some conflict often, where sometimes people would say, well, you're not really first lady anymore. You're a senior pastor. So then I found myself being in a different box. So that whole identity about where we fit, how we go about it, you know, we all struggle with it. But at the end of the day, let me tell you what I stand on. You know, the Bible talks about how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We're one body, many members. Each of us has a part to play. And when we can figure out how to jointly fit together, then we all benefit. We all win. We all can accomplish more together
0: i think that that's powerful and of course as as one of your friends and knowing all that you went through you went through a lot of you were ostracized from the church in many ways from others who because you were no longer in that role and because you were no longer on the mountaintop people kind of looked the other way when you were having a tough time and when your family was having a tough time and so um, I know what you went through, as do others, uh, and who did stick with you. And I know that there were probably a lot of disappointments along the way. Sometimes the people we think are ride or die are not ride or die, right? And sometimes we get surprises with the people we didn't know would be there, would be there. And so, let me segue from that. But I do want to underscore to my listening audience because I know a lot of church folks are gonna listen because Renee's talking, and people wanna know. Uh, I want you to Google the story uh, that Pastor Renee alluded to, because I think it is such a testimony to faith. It's a testimony to resilience. It's a testimony to what did I learn in my valley uh, that will help me, as Maya Angelou used to say, uh, when we learn, we should teach. And I think, uh, Renee, that you've done a good job not only being a great servant to your community there in Arlington, Texas, and we're gonna get to that in a little bit, but just everything I know about you, regardless of what you've been through, you've remained positive, you've remained a light, uh, no matter what names they called you, no matter what rooms they locked you out of, you kept going. And I think that that is really the most important takeaway for me. And uh, I wanna talk next about why is it, That in the black community, even in 2021, here we are in the 21st century, and we know the black church really took off here in the United States in the 18th century, Uh, you know, during slavery, uh, the colonization of Virginia here where I am, and and, uh, your family's from the South also, and uh, all the way through to this 21st century. Why is the black church, Pastor Renee, still so important in the black community?